Hey, do you remember the hardest test you've ever taken? I want you to think right now, what's the hardest test you've ever taken? Some of you freshmen are like, I've never taken a test. College is awesome. Hey, it's coming soon. Just wait. Week four. Around then. You thinking of a test? You have one in your head? I want to tell you about mine. Mine happened. uh, Let me tell you about this class first. This is one of those classes that you show up to and the professor proudly states the first class, hey, 50% of you will be gone in eight weeks. And you're like, they're bluffing. You know, there's no way 50% of the class will be gone. That wouldn't be good for Baylor tuition. You're not going to name a few things and reasons why that wouldn't be good. But about eight weeks later, half the class had disappeared. It was this weird thing and it was one of those really challenging classes and it was called entrepreneurial finance and it used to be within the business school and it was known as being the hardest class in the business school. And so I remember this test that I was taking was worth like 50% of my grade, but if I did better than other tests, then it replaced other tests. So therefore it had the potential of being worth up to 75% of my grade. And the reason why it was so important was because I wasn't doing very well in the class. I won't go into too much detail because my mom is here tonight and I want to honor her. And so here's the deal. I find myself with this test that is so important. It's worth so much. All this stuff is happening. And I just want to give you some academic advising free of charge tonight. Here's the reality. Don't take classes like this your senior year specifically the spring of your senior year, where everything, all the marbles, your entire diploma is dependent on a final. That was the test that I found myself getting ready to take the spring of my senior year. I have family flying in from New York. My mom's coming in from Houston. My brother's coming in from Denver. I have family coming in from Dallas. And honestly, I wasn't really sure that I was gonna walk across that stinking stage. I remember this test. It was so challenging. It was the hardest test I've ever taken. It was crazy. And the reason why I start with that tonight is because as we look to God's word, we're going to look at a test, specifically a test that Jesus took when Jesus was tested or tempted. That's what we're going to be learning about tonight. But I want us to use what we know about tests to kind of set up the night. The professors we love when we take tests give us good review sheets, right? All of us love those professors. They're like, you know, this is what you're going to be tested on. You're like, this is helpful information. I wish other professors did this, right? Like this is what you deal with. And so you are given a review. And tonight we're going to look at three different ways that Jesus is tested in three different ways that you and I will be tested. So that's the review sheet. And then in addition, what we're going to look at tonight and finish the night with is the key to every stinking test. I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag. That's it. I'm going to give you the key to it all. Although I'll give you the review sheet, I'm going to give you the key as well tonight. And so we're going to be opening up into God's word into Matthew 4. So if you brought your Bibles on a Friday night, you can turn to Matthew 4. If you have your phone, you can pull it out. Try not to get distracted with all the other things that are going on on your phones. And we're going to be in Matthew 4. And here's what I want you to know. Just before we open up to this scripture, what's happening in the Bible In Matthew 3, at the end of Matthew 3, I want you to picture this with me. This has just happened. Jesus is being baptized. And it says that the heavens open up, the skies open up. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I've seen some alien invasions and that sounds about like what it would have been like, right? And it says the sky opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. As Jesus is being baptized, the sky opens, 
Holy Spirit descends and a voice from above says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's where we pick up. That's where we're about to start. Matthew 4 comes just after this. And again, I told you it's Jesus's test. So I just want to point out right now, this is a spiritual high for Jesus. And just around the corner of a spiritual high is what? A test. It's pretty true of life. It might even be true of tonight. Tonight might be this amazing thing, but just around the corner, there are other things that are even going to happen tonight in ways that you're going to be tested as you leave here. And that's where we're turning to in the scripture. Again, Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to read all the way through verse 11 together, and then we'll kind of cut it up, okay? So let's read. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is key. God isn't tempting Jesus, but God is allowing Jesus to be tempted. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry which is a natural thing when you don't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put your Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms in the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, See you, Satan. He's, uh, he, uh, excuse me. He said, be gone, Satan. Same thing, my version, <laughs> for it is written, sorry. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So as I said, we're looking at this test. In Matthew 4, the way Jesus is tested. And I want to start by just showing us and seeing and telling you that you will be tested by desires, twisted truth, and timing. This is the way that Jesus is being tested. You will be tempted by desires, twisted truth, and timing. And I want us to look at the scriptures. Let's start with desire in verse two. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. As I said, natural. And the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, make this stone bread. Silly, aren't you hungry? Hunger is a desire. And in fact, I would venture to say that hunger is a legitimate desire. All of us have it. And I love the way my friend T.A., who I brought up and explained to you, is one of my heroes. The way T.A. has taught this and the way I've heard him say it is that in this particular situation, the devil is testing Jesus to act on a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. Why is it illegitimate for Jesus to eat? In this particular circumstance, what you need to remember about Jesus is that he didn't come to be served. He came to serve, right? Just think about this. He could feed 5,000 with bread. He made it out of nothing or five loaves. He could have made the rock bread, 
but that was an illegitimate way to satisfy that desire. And that's what the devil uses against us is desires and hungers and these physical appetites, these things that we want. So that's the first way we'll be tested. But despite our desires, God's design is what's best. The second way is through twisted truth. I don't know if you caught this. I read it quickly. But the devil comes in and says, he took him to this holy city. And the devil uses scripture against Jesus. He twists truth. What you don't know possibly is that he was quoting Psalm 91, but he omitted a very key portion of the Psalm. So the enemy and the devil is coming in and he's just twisting it. He's twisting the truth. Like wouldn't, if you jumped off this cliff, wouldn't God protect you? Isn't God loving like that? That's what, that's what the devil is tempting Jesus with. He's like, doesn't the scripture say, doesn't it say he'll command his angels concerning you? He'll catch you. Do something crazy. All the people will follow you. That's what the devil is doing. He's twisting truth here. And I just want to take an aside note, like every major world religion is twisted truth. Outside of Christianity, Every major world religion is Christian truth. I don't know if you've ever engaged in conversation with people of other faiths, but what you need to understand is almost every other faith is like, oh yeah, Jesus, good guy, right? But what do they do? They're like, yeah, but he didn't like die. And he certainly didn't resurrect or he wasn't God. He wasn't the son of God. He wasn't all these different things. But, but everyone's like, yeah, but Jesus, like we can't pick on Jesus because he's this historical figure. Have you noticed that every major world religion is the same thing? Outside of Christianity, every other world religion, you, you get what I'm saying. Twisted truth. And the last way that we're tested is timing. The devil takes him to a very high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and he says, I'll give it to you. And the reason why timing is the point, you're like, what does this have to do with timing? Like, I don't really get it. He's offering Jesus something that he already has. Like Jesus is the king. But the devil's saying, hey, I'll just give it to you right now. You don't have to go through suffering. You don't have to go through the cross. I'll give you the crown without the cross. I'll give you glory without suffering. He's tempting Jesus with instant satisfaction, immediate gratification, timing. So what does this have to do with us? Like, how does this apply? How do these three tests, three ways that Jesus is tested, how does that apply to you and me tonight, Friday night? Here's the deal. Let's start with an easy way that this applies to us. Let's talk about sex, all right? Easy. Sex is a desire that we were given. Like it's a, it's a legitimate desire. But again, we can seek to fulfill that desire in illegitimate ways. All sorts of ways, whether it be hook up, hooking up or sleeping with, with somebody when they're not our husband or wives, all these different things. There's all these different ways to fulfill a legitimate desire. Sex is a gift. God created it. It's not a bad thing when used within God's design. From the beginning of time, in Genesis 2, God, there was the first marriage of Adam and Eve. It was the first thing that happened. And a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's God's design 
for sex and for marriage. But how do we twist truth? I remember, I remember in college just hearing like, you know, why, why have you started to sleep together? And they're like, you know what? I love this person. So I'm gonna twist the truth because I love this person. Therefore I can act on sex this side of marriage. Why? We love each other. I'm like, wait a second. What's your definition of love? I'm pretty sure this definition of love is something about patience, kindness, goodness, like, or love, or excuse me, love is patient, it's kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it doesn't, you know, keep records of wrong, it doesn't, you know, force its, its own way, like insist on its own, like that's, that's the definition of, tr- of love from God's word. That's truth, but we twist it, we're like, but we love each other, so therefore we can act on this desire. We twist truth and timing is immediate gratification. This is exactly what we do. We want it now. That's what pornography, masturbation, that's what those things are. And as I said, that's, that's the quick one. Let's talk about peace. We all want peace. It's a legitimate desire that we have. But we look to fulfill peace with these outside ways. We don't look to fulfill peace in the person of peace, the person of Jesus. Because he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're like weary on week two, like the response is to go to Jesus. It's not to go to substances. It's not to go to jewels, even though I don't even know what a jewel is. Those things weren't around when I was in school. USB stuff, whatever, you know. (laughs) All these different substances or these instant gratifications of what? Peace. We're trying to fulfill a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. So we see that these are three ways that we are tempted, that we are tested. And I'm not telling you all these things tonight to shame you if you've ever looked for peace through a substance or even another person. If you ever tried to fulfill the desire of sex in other ways, I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to just say, I'm telling you this because this is the way we're all tested. Like this is exactly what I needed to hear when I was in your shoes. These are the ways that the devil is testing us. Here's the deal. I want us to see how Jesus responds. But before we do that, I want you to to just hear this really briefly. Uh, What do we do about this? Like how do we respond to these tests? The first thing is to halt when you are halt. You're like, what does that mean? Halt when you are halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, halt. Jesus in this particular portion of scripture is hungry. And so you need to beware of when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Because when one of those four things are happening, the enemy is probably pretty close by. Because our guard is down. We're tired. We're lonely, we're this and we're that. So halt when you're halt. That's just what my friend Tyler Self said. He says he's a professor here on campus and he once told me that and I was like, man, that's some good stuff. I'm gonna write that down so I can tell students one day. And here we are. So that's the first thing. The other thing that we see here in the scripture is that Jesus responds to every one of these tests with truth. And I love the way he says it. Anytime the devil finishes, Jesus says, it is written, boom. Next time, it is written, boom. Third time, it is written, boom. Jesus responds to every test with truth. And that reminds us that we can't fight lies if we don't know truth. 
We can't fight lies. We can't win battles or tests if we don't know this book. We need an alternative to lies. And I'm telling you the alternative is truth. And for those of you that are just jumping in with us, let me say this. We're in a series called Lies. And I call it dumb lies, smart people buy. We buy these dumb lies that we should act on every desire or that we should twist truth or that we should have instant gratification instead of trusting in God's timing. Those are the ways that we're tempted. You will be tested by desires, twisting, twisted truth and timing. But our response should be truth. Write out the lies, write out the tests, memorize the truths. Here's one thing, here's one way I wanna illustrate this for you tonight is, is we need a standard. We need an alternative to lies. We need something to look to. And I remember when I was in college, one time I went, I went flying. You're like, wow, you had a, quite the college experience. You're correct. Uh, one day, a buddy of mine is like, do you wanna go get barbecue? I'm like, barbecue is my favorite subject. And so we go to go get barbecue. Little did I know we were gonna get it in a plane and we were gonna fly to go get barbecue. I'm like, this is the coolest lunch I've ever been on. And so we're flying. And at one point he's like, hey, do you wanna fly? I'm like, of course I wanna fly so I can tell people that I've flown, right? So I take the wheel and I'm like, I got this. I'm, it was so awesome. I'm like, man, this is a dream come true to fly an airplane. And every time that I took the wheel, all we would do is nosedive. Every time it was just like, you know, I, I was like, like working my best. I was looking at the clouds and then all of a sudden I'm like, dude, we're going down. You got to pull us up. And he pull us back up and we go on like the right direction over and over again. And he's just laughing at me. I'm like, dude, I I'm like looking at the ground, trying to figure out how to go straight, but it's not every time it's just like this. And so all this is going on. And he's like, dude, you have to, you have to fly by the instruments. I was like, what? You could have told me that, you know, earlier, right? He's like, you have to look at the instruments. You can't trust the clouds or the ground or even what you feel like might be the right thing to do. The instruments are what tell you. You have to put it in these different things and you leave it right there and you will, you will sail smoothly. And I was like, man, that is a great illustration one day for a sermon about truth. <laughs> and we need a standard. We need instruments to turn to. Because sometimes our first thoughts and looking around isn't, isn't always the best thing for us. We need a standard and that standard is in God's word, it's truth. So you will be tested by desires, twisted truth and timing, but we're meant to respond with truth. Before I get to the key, as I told you, I'm gonna give you the key to all tests. But before I get there, I wanna, I wanna take a test right now. And so will everyone just kind of like put your heads down. You can look at the ground. You can close your eyes if you want. I want to I take a test by show of hands. I'm going to ask a few questions. The first question is this. I want you to think to yourself, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven? So think of the number in your head. Now I want you to raise your hand if you're a 1 through 4. You're like... I'm, I'm one through four. I'm probably not, you know, nobody's looking. You can put your hand up so I can see. Okay, that's perfect. So there's, there's some of you that are one through four. You're like, I am not getting in there. It's very unlikely tonight. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now go ahead and raise your hand. If you're a six through a nine, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. Okay. So we have six through nines. It's perfect. Now you can put your hand down. Now if you're a 10, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm confident. Okay. Cool. 
I want everyone to put your hand down. Now, heads down still, heads down still, I know. Long test. Here's the deal. If you are a one through a nine, and if you sinned less, if you tested better from the test we just talked about, if you were like, man, if I did better this week and sinned less, raise your hand if you think your number would go up from like a six to a seven. You're like, yeah, if I sin less, I'd feel better about getting to heaven. Just raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. You're like, if I could just go a week with some less sin, that'd be helpful. Okay. All right, I want you to put your hands down. You can, everyone look up. Everyone look up. Come back with me. Here's the deal. I used to think Christianity was just about stopping sin. I grew up in the church and I fell into the trap that Christianity was this game of just quit sinning, 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 just quit. Like, like everything revolved around, you know, I, I'm a six or I'm a seven and it would, it would be an eight or a nine if I, if I went a longer period of time without lying or cheating or cursing or this or that, like, or, or whatever. Like if I could just go longer without sin, then I might, I might have a better chance of getting in. If I could, if I could pass these tests better, and if I could just spit truth back at the enemy when I'm tested, then, then finally, then I might, I might get in. Friends, I'm here to tell you tonight, like this is good for us to know. These are the ways we're gonna be tempted. And it's good for us to know the ways that we should respond to it. But I want you to know the key to every test is identity. The key to every test is identity. And here's what I mean by that. Here is the gospel. Jesus Christ came down to earth. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. So he came down to earth in the form of a man. He lived a perfect life. He passed this test that we just read, which means when he said no to the, to the glory that Satan was offering him, he was saying yes to the cross for you and for me. So he died. He took the sins of the world, his blood shed so that we might be washed clean. And then he went and raised from the dead so that we might know him. He came down to earth so we could relate to him, so we could be in relationship with him and we could take on his identity. That's how we're forgiven. That's how we're tens. That's the only way we're getting into heaven. That's the only way anyone is going to be a 10 is because of what Jesus Christ has done. We are given his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. Those are all the identities that we are given. But I think we forget that sometimes. That's one of the key ways that Satan is also trying to test us. I want you to look and think about what we just read. Each of the tests started with, or at least the first two started with, if you're the son of God, then do this. Prove your identity, Jesus. Prove it if you're really the son of God. And then finally on the third test, he just says, you know what? I'll just give you everything. He knew that he could try to get Jesus to mess with his identity. He was trying to mess with Jesus' identity. And the other thing he was trying to mess with is God's identity. 
Because if we, if we know God and we receive God's identity, specifically through his son Jesus, the next test is for him, the devil, the enemy, to test us in the fact that God isn't good. And I want you to look at the text, like this is straight from the text. This is straight from the text. He is trying to say like, hey, if you're hungry, eat. Why wouldn't your father feed you? Hey, if you're, if you're all powerful and if God's got your back, why don't you just jump off this cliff? He'll catch you, right? Don't trust him. And then the last thing, why would you trust God to, why would you trust the father? He's gonna make you die. I'll just give you all the kingdoms right now. All you gotta do is bow down and worship. There's this identity that's being tested here. And this is each and every one of our days of life. It's like, God doesn't love you because of all these crazy circumstances that are happening in your life. Someone breaks up with you, how could God be good? I'm alone. Or maybe you lose a loved one and you're like, man, how could God be good? He took away this person I loved. How could God be good? I'm struggling to find friends my freshman year. How could God be good? Insert all of the things that we're dealing with. Satan is after God's identity and Satan is after our identity. That's how he's testing us. And that's how he's trying us. And so the key to every test is to rightly understand our identity, who we are in Christ who we are because of what God has done for us. And then also who is God? And so I just wanna rattle off a few things for you. I want you to know that if you are in Christ, then you're sons and daughters, you're forgiven, you're white as snow, you're ambassadors, you're redeemed, that's you. And then who is God? He's good, he's faithful, he's steadfast. He is all of these things. He is worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to be trusted with all of our lives, not just like for forever, even tonight on a Friday night in Waco, Texas. He's worthy to be followed as you leave here. Each and every day for the rest of your life, he's worthy. So in summary, you will be tested by desires, twisted truth and timing. And the key to every test in life is identity. And I wanna close with something that's been changing my life recently. Something I'm, I'm, I'm like, crazy passionate about. It's been, it's been something that I've been working through within me because when I was in your shoes, I had this performance mentality. And I just wanna let you into my life. Like my parents are separated and divorced and, and uh, my mom is here tonight, as I said, she's amazing. I love her, she's a saint. And, and my dad was around but absent. And when he was around, he, he was pretty focused on performance. 
specifically with sports and other things that, that could, I could find significance in. And so I came to college with just this mentality of like, I gotta be popular for people to love me. I gotta be good at sports. I did intramurals, I did sing, I did this, I did that. I did everything. Like it was my goal to walk through the sub and be able to talk to everyone so that, so that I could be known, so I could be loved. It was this performance mentality that I took from high school into this place. And for four years, I, I, I don't even fully know if I understood what I was trying to get. I was just trying to find love. I was just trying to be like approved by people. All these different things that plagued my life. And this truth from this story that I'm about to share with you has, has really been peeling away at this deep, deep wound within me of performance and, and what I want you to know and even see from the scripture here is that when Jesus was baptized, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I told you that earlier, but what's absolutely insane is that Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't performed and passed the test of Satan's test. He hadn't performed and passed the test of, of healing and feeding 5,000. He, he hadn't done these performances. He hadn't even done the work that, that, that was to be done on the cross and he hadn't risen from the dead. No, the father approved of him before he did anything. And that's the same for you and me. We've been approved. We don't need to do something more for God to love us. You don't need to sin any less for God to love you. In fact, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that changes our identity. That changes everything about who we are. So we don't have to walk around this campus or walk around Waco trying to earn people's love and affection and God's love and God's affection. We have it. It's in Christ. And I'm telling you this passionately because I'm still learning it. I'm tempted to perform each and every day. And I go here to truth, to remind myself, man, I'm approved. I'm a beloved son. We have beloved daughters. He's well pleased with us. We don't have to do more. He sent his son because he loves us. It's already been done. And if this room chooses to follow the person of Jesus and live out our identity, you will change the world. I believe it. You stop performing for everyone else and you start living for an audience of one. I'm gonna pray that you would. And I hope and pray that we would leave here with this commission. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for offering us approval, for giving us grace and mercy through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone tonight that, that wasn't a 10. Jesus, I pray that this entire room, myself included, would be free from performance. 
that we would live in our identity that you have shown us through your son, Jesus, that we've been approved just as you had been approved, Jesus. Why? Because the Father is good and kind and loving. And Jesus, we follow you. And I pray also that you would help us when we're tested. We're gonna be tested even tonight. Would you help us to learn truth? Help, would you help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we might be satisfied when we memorize truth, when we write it on our hearts so that we can, we can withstand the test of the enemy. We pray that as well, but also Lord, would you help us to live in our identity because of who you are and who you have offered for us to be through your son, Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise and we declare together we need you. We pray this in your name.